Plus 6 podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. This is episode 15 and it will be a solo podcast. Today I'm going to discuss match sim from two teams on Friday 14th of Feb. The players I will discuss were identified by myself as potential options for AFL Fantasy Classic this season. Not all players were covered, so if I miss your player, my apologies in advance. For me, I use pre-season training and match sim pretty much to tick some boxes for players of interest. I think it's dangerous to make decisions based on what I or others see in a one-off training session or scratch game. Starting positions are important, but take into account that the amount of player positions doubles as a result of a single team match sim. Remember, most of the information coming out of match sim on media and social media, including myself, can involve a fair amount of opinion. Again, that's why I would recommend against making any wholesale changes during this period, but rather take the information on as part of building profiles for players of interest. On to the games. I ventured firstly out to North Melbourne match sim. The temperature was in the early 30s with plenty of humidity with storms about to roll in. A couple of key players were held out of this game. Jack Siebel and Ben Brown did not play due to current injuries. One of a number of key decision points to start in the forward line this year will be Aiden Bonner. He did attend quite a few CBAs, which is centre bounce attendance for those who are not aware. This is my take on Bonner. For midfielders, I like to see an attack on the ball as first options and not a clear space for teammates to attack the ball first role. I'm leaning towards Bonner not being a major ball winner. I think he will get the opportunity in the midfield, but that may be too much on the bigger opposition types like Cripps and Fife, etc. The Marsh series will tell us plenty about the scoring ability for Bonner. Jack Mahoney has been mentioned as a possible starter in the forward line. He's an undersized small forward. We already know players playing an inside 50 small forward role have limited ceilings. Expect that here for Mahoney. Taron Thomas has progressed quite well since his arrival at North Melbourne. His size and ability to move quickly across the ground will make him a tough matchup for opposition clubs this season. I can see significant improvement on his 55.3 average this season. Once again, the Marsh series will tell us quite a bit on a projected average in 2020. Thomas did start as a half forward, moving into a few centre bounces. Charlie Compton does still look to be light framed after being drafted last November. He may be a while away, but I think his long-term prospects are very good at the Kangaroos. A couple of players not identified for fantasy purposes, but will make up the structure of the North Melbourne defence were Majak Dorr and Josh Walker. They were both impressive, with Dorr taking Nick Larkey early as a deep key defender, while Walker was solid with a few contested defensive marks. As I made my way on the M1 out to Waverley, a 30-minute no-traffic trip turned into a 100-minute trip with storms hitting Melbourne. The weather cleared from heavy rain to light rain for most of the Hawks' intra-club game. As you can expect, ball handling was tough at times with slippery conditions. But it looked like players adapted quite well throughout the game. Jacob O'Meara was rested for this game. Firstly, on to the main reason I paid a visit to this match. Tom Mitchell. Let me tell you. It was as if he had not missed any games last year at all. 
any fears from me starting Mitchell at round one have all been erased. Mitchell was his usual clearance beast inside heavy traffic and at ground level. He was crunched in a couple of tackles but was immediately back into the thick of it hunting the ball. He played three quarters. There is not much to think about here. I'll be starting Mitchell at round one. James Warple has improved his body shape over summer. He will once again be a major part of the Hawks midfield in 2020. His ball winning ability was a standout. Chad Wingard attended quite a few CBAs. He was excellent playing mostly between the 50 metre arcs. This time last year he was struggling for fitness. He played only a half on Friday but was one of the better players on the ground. He did some extra conditioning running during the half time break. With Mitchell, O'Meara, Warble and Shields, it's going to be difficult for Wingard to rank in the top four for CBAs in 2020. However, I'm fully expecting that he'll be used during the season to throw up a different dynamic for the Hawks. Jager O'Meara in a radio interview on Friday morning said of Wingard. He's been training with us as a midfield group. He just adds a bit of a different mix. On to James Sisley. He played a half-back intercepting defender type role. He was used in ball switches from one side of the ground to the other, but due to wet conditions, players mostly just played down the line. Interestingly, Sam Frost was used as the spare when the ball was pressed into the forward line. Yes, Ben McAvoy and James Sisley both attached themselves to opponents with Frost the spare. This setup is one to watch in the Marsh series, in order to project for Sisley. James Frawley was also used in a defensive role, which did free up Sisley. The Hawks may opt to have multiple defensive setups throughout the season. John Segler was used as the main ruck. Sean Burgoyne played mostly forward. Tom Scully played on a wing. Jacob Kaczynski injured his shoulder. John Patton played as a deep key forward. His size will be a difficult matchup for opponents this season. Patton did lead up onto the wing for marks, but conditions and gameplay mostly dictated he stayed at home as a key forward. Well, that's the two-team intra-club reports in the books. I'll add a couple of more topics before the end of this podcast. My thoughts on the upcoming 2020 team structure as follows. There'll be plenty of overlap in defensive players. I haven't changed my first five players as yet in this area of the ground and will not likely change them prior to round one. The other three rookies will also have plenty of overlap. By overlap, I mean ownership. I don't think it's necessary to take a risk in this position. If your uniques don't pay off, then you'll be up against the brick wall all season long overcoming this part of the ground. With Mitchell all but a guarantee for most of the highly ranked players, the next three to five mids, depending on your number, will define your season rank early. There are quite a few strategies involved here to set your team apart. It's not about selecting what player you think are the best players. Again, ownership numbers are a strong indicator on how unique your team is in a chase to become number one in 2020. I think there'll be plenty of overlap in the last four forward players. The first four forward players are an important part of the ground to get right early in the season. Get it wrong and it may be a difficult task to overcome by round 23. I currently have Lockie Whitfield. He's 58% owned, but without him opens up quite a different forward structure. I didn't think this would be a key decision point for me. But in chasing number one overall, a stand needs to be taken somewhere. I haven't made a final decision here. But if I did start without Whitfield, I would need an eject button very quickly 
if he were to crush it early and trade him in. Most highly ranked players will start with Brody Grundy Ruck. I suspect those starting with Sam Jacobs will have Lockie Whitfield. My thought process here is that if I'm fading Whitfield, I'm also opposing the value of Jacobs. I'm not starting Sam Jacobs, who is currently 20% owned. This was discussed in a previous Plus 6 pod with Jepper. If I do fade Whitfield and he and Jacobs do crush it early, the mountain may be too great to climb. But there will be a significant advantage if Jacobs fails along with the salary slide for Whitfield. My team is quite settled, but that is one key area that many will be thinking about prior to round one. One last thing, information is a key element to improve your fantasy game. For those that you follow on Twitter, it is always worthwhile clicking on the tweets and replies section to find additional information. I am asked questions quite often that have already been answered. This tells me people aren't paying enough attention to detail and therefore missing out. Again, for heavy users of Twitter, set up Twitter lists and keep updating scrolling through in your own time. Use Google set up Twitter lists to find out how. Hitting favorite on your tweets is a good way to check mark that you have read and processed this information. Before I close this podcast, if you would like your chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We'll give a few away towards the end of the preseason. On that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in.